So good morning again. I just moved the spot to here, a little bit more center. <laughs> yeah, Pastor Scott is away this weekend, so, so I'll do both job, but it, I think so far okay, I guess. Okay, we'll see. Uh, I'm going to preach today from the words of the Apostle Paul in Galatians. Before we go into the detail about the scriptures, what we read this morning, I'd like to give a brief overview of the entire book of Galatians. Galatians is much more like Romans. Galatians is much more concise than Romans, and although much less professional than Romans. It is still similar in many ways to Romans. The Apostle Paul emphasized in two, these two letters that God gives free grace to those who believe in him. In other words, no matter what we do, God gives us love for free. It is useless to try to gain God's grace and love through human efforts and achievement. When the Apostle Paul visited Galatia, he preached the gospel to those who were not Jews. However, after Paul left, Galatian Christians were seriously affected by a group of so-called the Judaizers. The Judaizers demanded that anyone who wanted to be a Christian must first be Jewish or at least observe Jewish customs, such as circumcision or observing Jewish festivals. Of course, Jewish customs are not in themselves wrong. But they are wrong to say that they can only be saved by following this custom. Because they spoke as if salvation could be obtained through human works. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 6-7, Apostle said like this way. He said, I'm shocked that you are turning away so soon from God, who calls you to be himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but it is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. This was how the Judaizers were having such an adverse effect on the Galatian Christians that Paul was compelled to write a letter. Paul emphasized here that God's grace is free completely free gift. Paul said that by human merit or works, he could never obtain the grace of God. If we think that we can obtain God's grace by our actions, we will be bound by ourselves to obey nothing from that moment on. Sometimes we think that we can get the grace of God's love and forgiveness by our power. We cannot be good enough to say that we deserve God's recognition, nor can we be perfect. Salvation is given only by faith, for free by God's grace. That's the only way to reach salvation. This is a brief overview of Galatians, and I strongly recommend you to read this entire book of Galatians this afternoon, because it's only six chapters. So you can just take 30 minutes to read all of these books. 
The scriptures we read today is the last part of Galatians. As we have already shared, the, the Apostle Paul once again speaks to Galatian Christians about the heart of the gospel in a very strong, strong tone. The Apostle Paul ends his letter with a very strong, clear, and direct tone rather than a soft ending. I'm pretty much sure if you have read any other epistles, any other letters by Apostle Paul, will you see very delightful, very blessing, very soft hand, because he just want to bless all the churches like the Philippians, something like that. But only the, the Galatians, he didn't want to finish in soft ending. And the Apostle with a concrete example conveys precisely what he is trying to say with no other interpretation possible. In verse 12 and 13, as we read, Paul takes the issue of circumcision, for example. I don't think it's the issue for now, right now in our church. I never heard that, right? The question was at the time, do the Gentile believers have to be circumcised to enjoy full acceptance with God? That was the question. And Paul said, no. And he suffered for it. The Judaizers say, yes. But what is the motive behind this demand? Let's compare the end of verse, verse 12 and 13. Verse 12 says, those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. Verse 13 said, And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. I believe the two things Paul wants to warn us against most of, most of this is, are these. First one, the fear of human opposition. And second one, the love of human praises. I'll say again, the fear of human opposition and love of human praise. And the Apostle Paul goes on to tell us in verse 15, it says, it doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What count is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. Always there is a temptation to fall back into a rule-keeping mindset. That insidious way of thinking that says, I must follow certain religious rules if I want God's approval. To this, Paul says, no. The spiritual life that pleased God is being the new creatures that God has made us to be. So he, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Apostle Paul said, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and new life has begun. Amen? Amen. We live by grace. We grow by following the leading of God's Spirit, 
who lives in us. True spirituality isn't imposed from without. It bubbles up and overflows from within. In 1992, what did you do? 30 years ago. In 1992, what did you do? Oh, you, you didn't do anything? <laughs> it's too certain to ask? I know. 1992. Okay. I'll, I'll listen later. Not today. But think about it. In 1992, I entered the training camp for military service. I had to do a six-week, very strong and intensive military training course for the actual military service first. But for the first three weeks of training, religious participation was prohibited. The reason they did that was to let the trainees know that from the moment they entered the training camp, they were now in a totally different position. I had never skipped a Sunday service in church before. And I had a very hard time. I didn't have any peace in those three weeks. Especially on Sunday morning, it was hard. And three weeks later, when I was allowed to go to church and worship for the first time, I still remember that feeling. I felt great peace. And I even shed tears. But I realized the fact later, the reason why I had a hard time at that time was not because I lacked meeting with God through worship, but because I couldn't attend a church that I had been doing for a long time. I believe even if my body was not in the church building, I should still have been able to enjoy God's presence and peace because Christ lives in me. But my faith lied more on my willingness to attend a church without exception than the truth that I am a new creation and Jesus Christ. Perhaps I enjoy the words of those who praise me for attending church diligently while growing up in the church for a long time. I remember, I think I, re I really enjoyed what the other parents said to their kids. Hey, look at the Sam. <laughs> what a compliment. Hey, look at the Sam. And after I grow up a little more, I guess I was more interested in what other people would think of me if I didn't attend church. First year, when I went to the university, and then I was working at my mother's church. And then it was just university student, just first year in university student. But I feel like I need to wear a suit. And then I feel like I need to always make a smile before the people. Please remember this again. The fear of human opposition and the love of human praises. Whenever I read the Apostle Paul's epistles, I often amazed at his logical thinking and writings. And always his logical thinking and writing are confirmed by solid truths and also clear personal experiences. If we read only to verse 15, we can say, yeah, 
I think I can understand the logic, what, what you're saying. But I'm not sure how that truth can be expressed and applied to my practical life. I believe the Apostle makes a very important statement in verse 17, because this statement confirms all the truths he has said so far through his experience. In other words, the statement has been proven. He said in verse 17 like that way, From now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things, for I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus. I'm going to read the other version of the Bible. He said, From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Theologian Richard Baxter said of verse 17, he said this. Did you put up? Yeah, it's a little bit longer, so, so I just want to read it together. The Apostle Paul is drawing a contrast between the marks of Jesus and the mark of Moses. Circumcision is the mark of Moses and speaks of a servitude to a legal system. The marks of the Lord Jesus are those of a glad, free, and voluntary self-sacrificing service. And what do these brand marks of Paul say to ourselves? They say three things. First, let us never be ashamed of bearing suffering or reproach for Jesus' sake. Second, let us not be afraid of bearing such marks on our bodies. And third, let it be our daily prayer that we may bear the marks of Lord Jesus on our character. We know <clears throat> the Apostle Paul suffered to bring us the gospel of grace. He was persecuted to ensure that we have freedom in Christ. Paul bore the marks of Jesus on his body when he died to the flesh and lived by the Spirit. As it is so, he grew more and more in the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. May also you bear the marks of Christ on your body when you walk by the Spirit and continue to grow in His likeness as the Spirit sanctifies you and boast daily in nothing but the cross of Jesus to which you owe your life, everything else. Amen? Amen. Or, there's always but, or, 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 Perhaps you are still seeking for more profound religious knowledge and completing a religious checklist to please our Father. But if that was the most important thing, to please God, then during Jesus' ministry, I believe he probably wrote numerous books in his rooms. If Jesus had done that, there would not have been many theological confusion we are experiencing now. But Jesus did not do that. Rather, he visited those whom the religious leaders of this time had branded as sinners, forgiving and comforting them, teaching them the gospel of kingdom. Jesus himself marked the wounds of God's love in his body and his life. Then his disciples 
saw the wounds. And the world saw the wounds as well. Those wounds saved us. So, what is the mark for you? What is the scar that shows we belong to Jesus? In a word, I can confidently say it is love. I know it is too obvious, but I could say it is love. We sin when we do not love God with our whole heart. When we disobey His will and His commandments, and when we do not show love, kindness, and compassion to others. And these are the practical teachings from Jesus and the apostles about the scars that show we belong to Jesus, I believe. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus gave us eight Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. Remember, being God-centered rather than self-centered, having and showing compassion, being gentle and humble, seeking after righteousness, righteousness, being merciful and forgiving, having pure and honest thought and motives, being a peacemaker, and standing up for what is right and just. And Apostle Paul, in Galatians chapter 5, he gave us nine manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit. Love for others, inner peace, outer joy, patience in difficult circumstances, kindness in dealing with others, generosity in all things, faithfulness in relationships, gentleness and sensitivity, and self-control of thought, words, and deeds. There is one more. Apostle Peter, in 2 Peter verse chapter 1, he gave us seven characteristics of Christian faith. He said, goodness, knowledge of the truth, self-control, perseverance and endurance, godliness in thought and deed, warm-hearted affection toward others, and agape love. I can go over and over more and more. I believe that the concrete actions in these teachings are the marks we can make in our bodies and lives today. I don't think no one asked your life because you said you just spread gospel in Calgary area. Maybe we might have a little bit difficult when we go to Edmonton and then we say, let's go flames. Might have some today. The process of engraving these marks on yourself can be very painful and very difficult because the process of denying yourself are necessarily accompanied. However, the marks created through this process will be visible to those around you. And they will know that we belong to Jesus. And they to will come to know Jesus. They couldn't see how much knowledge you have it, how deepest knowledge you have it, but they will see when you have a mark of those practical teachings that Jesus and the apostles teach us. These days, I'm meeting a guy. I don't want to give you the name because I didn't get a approval from him. So, a guy. 
random guy, I guess. I'm meeting a guy at Starbucks every Friday evening. It's been a year since I've known him, but one day he asked me a very important question, maybe to him, but also to me. The question was very simple. It says, how can people have Christian faith? Because I understand why he asked, because he never had been a Christian. So our regular meeting began after I got this question from him. And every time I met him, I answered the random questions he threw out, not trying to teach him anything, because I didn't bring anything, any, any books, what I used to do before. But this time, I just, just want to meet him, and then just talk. And then he just, just tossed me lots of lots of questions. Surprisingly, he already knew so many negative facts about a church. And most of his questions were about it. So I tried to tell a story about the nature of the Christian faith rather than a story about the negative culture of the church. And I found that most of the answers I was giving came from the Romans and Galatians. A few weeks ago, we have the same meeting at the Starbucks. The funny thing is, is all the workers, even someone who delivered the, the something, they recognize us. <laughs> I didn't even need to order because I ordered the same things. And then when I entered the Starbucks, and then he knew. <laughs> A few weeks ago, the words that came out of his mouth surprised me. I mean, made me shocked. He said, from what I hear you, what you say, Believing in Jesus seems easy because there's nothing I have to do for it. But living as a believer in Jesus seems really difficult because there are so many things in my life that need to change and to give up. But it says, what is certain is that if there is a such a person whom you called Christian around me, it would be great for me. I think I can get a lot of help from that person for my life. Actually, that was my intention whenever, when I met him. Because I knew him uh, in these three years. We had a meal together. I drink coffee with him. I go to skiing with him. I go to golf with him. But I never say about anything. Because even though he knew I'm a pastor of this church. But I never say anything. Because ambitiously, I want, to, I want he see the Christ through my life. It was ambitious. But I just want to try it before I say any word about Jesus. I just want to wait. And, just, and then that question that's what I got from him that after that season. And he says, it might be difficult to be a Christian. Actually, being a Christian is okay, but to live as a Christian is, looks really difficult. But if anyone around me is a Christian, like what you said, it will be great. So my last question is this today. 
are those around you seeing the marks of Jesus from you? Can you confidently say like what Apostle Paul said, I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus. That is my conclusion this morning. I don't want to make her a hard time, but just give a little bit of time to think about that and then just just look around and then see. Don't try to find someone who has the scars. I'm asking you find your scars in your life, in your body.